It's time. It's time. We're talking three things. Little to no research. Welcome to the Sick Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Deepa Shreeder. And it's Friday, y'all. It's a little bit later. I get it. But we but it still counts, right? I'm still beating it way before the buzzer. The buzzer being 12 a.m. I I feel like you know how time works. Just want to make sure we're all on the same wavelength, okay? Um, I hope everyone's week was nice and easy. I know everyone's very excited, right? It's no, it's, uh, I just went on a walk uh, with my friend and it was in the 80s and I barely broke a sweat. And that is considered pleasant, I get that. But you know what that means to me? That means sometime after I finish recording this podcast, I will have to do a second sort of workout because I need to feel like I'm covered in sweat. Otherwise, it just doesn't feel like it counts. And that's, and that's, uh, listen, it's one of the, better things well there's there's like a lot of better things about summer but you you get to feel like you've done something even if it means that you went on a walk and you gossiped with your friend lo and behold you're covered in sweat you you did it right this is what i mean by the milk toast weather of it all this is not one of my three things so let's let's get into one of my three things i want to start First section, right at the tippy tippy top. I want to talk tin fish. I want to just talk uh, a little bit about my favorites because I feel like tin fish took the hell off, right? I would say like a year and a half ago was kind of like the beginning of it. And we're right now at the peak the peak of tinned fish mania, which I, which I, I, I completely respect. This is not me rolling my eyes and being like, what is this trend? This quote unquote trend has been going on for centuries. Tinned fish is genius. I love um, it having its moment. I hope it continues to have its moment, especially because I do feel that if we all eat more tinned fish, um, it's it's just a nice, easy way to get your omegas. I, I can't remember if fish is the omega two or three. I want to say it's three. Like I said, we're not googling in these three things. We're just we're just going by the creases on my brain and hoping that's going to be enough to to tide it over, to get it done. But what I, what I will say is, even though there's a lot out there, I think um, one of the things I hear often from people who are not very well versed in the tinned fish of it all, right? Maybe they like a charcuterie plate, but maybe maybe they haven't really delved in that section of the grocery store. I was like, well, let me let me see if I can put my spin on it because 
to me, this is this is no muss, no fuss territory. Um, and it's it's deeply dinner party territory too. So this, like I said, the the world of tinned fish is 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 very wide, but these are a couple rules I go by. The most amount of money that you are going to spend sans sans the fish eggs of it all. We're gonna we're gonna get to it. The caviar of of it all. This feels like it should be the opposite, but I promise you, take the time to buy that insanely expensive tin of anchovies. Because anchovies to me, um, that's, that is just number one ingredient that you should have in your tinned fish your new tinned fish section. I have I have like a little like part of a cabinet that's where I stack my my tins of fish. And the reason why, and I'll tell you the brand I use, and the reason why I like anchovies to be the one that you're spending spending your your real your big dollars on is because it's going to be the most adaptable one, right? Like I love a piece of toast, going real Spanish with it, grated tomato or use fermented tomato. You all know I really, really um, kind of insanely unhealthily obsessed with fermented tomatoes. A um, little bit of garlic, olive oil. Get yourself a couple of anchovy fillets on there. Pop it in the oven. Pour yourself a deep red that's monday that's monday right there you want to add a salad to it guess what you got a couple more anchovy fillets get it in the food processor get it in some parmesan get it in with some olive oil lemon a little black pepper a little body chili oil if you really want to like get it done too much garlic did i say garlic already whir it up get yourself a caesar and just quickly dress those greens. Spicy, pungent, creamy, with a little bit of that acidic toast. And you got anchovies there. You got anchovies over here. Two different ways. Brilliant. So the brand I would use is Fishwife Smoked Anchovies. They're super salty just like most anchovies are, but they are so umami packed. It's, Fishwife is like that fancy internet it girl of tinned fish, right? You've seen it maybe at the grocery store, the super colorful packages. Their price range, listen, they are they are not a, uh, they're not a cheap buy, right? I think like a tin of anchovies is going to get you at 12, but it's all sustainably sourced, right? They're, they're fighting the good fight. Um, they're using quality ingredients and they're, they're building a really beautiful product. They do also have a, a smoked salmon with like a chili crisp that goes a little under $20. 
as much as like I always want to reach for it, I bought it once and I was like, you know, if we're going to invest in Fishwife as a brand, uh, I would I would keep I would keep a different sort of set of staples once in a while. You're going to have a great time with their sardines, their mackerel, their no, their, their trout. I don't think they do a mackerel, but you, you can you can spend the money there if you want to. But if you want to create yourself a little bit of a sustainable tinned fish economy in your household, my suggestion, go to Fishwife for your anchovies. And then still in that same section of your grocery store, be it Central Market, Whole Foods, or I, I don't know. I know like it's... I love it. I know there's like I've I've got like a section of New York listening to it and I have no idea what y'all what y'all's grocery stores are called. I feel like there's like a B Dal is B Dalton a thing? I think that's a bookstore that closed down. I don't know what y'all call them, but something, right? Whatever whatever the ubiquitous Yankee chains are. Go there and then write Right next to the fishwife, you're probably going to see Patagonia, which makes really delicious lemon mackerel, tinned lemon mackerel. Go get you some of that. Um, incredible. But if you're going to go to that Patagonia brand, let me tell you, what you want are their mussels. And I feel like when it comes to tinned fish, People try to stay away from the muscles of it. I will give you this. Anytime I see clams or cockles in a tinned area, you couldn't get me to feed cockles to my worst enemy. It is the... And I, 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 I'm okay with a little bit of durian here and there. But it is the durian of the tinned fish uh, uh, category. If, if that's what you're buying, hey, have at it. Have a blast. Not trying to yuck your yum. <laughs> I feel like a, a soccer mom when I say, I feel like, now I don't want it. It feels very Garland, Texas. Now I don't want to yuck your yum, but I just cannot... No, Doreen, I cannot. Maud, I cannot. I cannot do cockles. They are just not, they're just not good. Anyways, that was just for me. There's a, there's a certain like soft Garland Texan lady voice. The woman who has like big, Texas-shaped barbed wire earrings. I see it. And she's she's talking about her journey with cockles. And she's absolutely right. And she has two friends. Apparently one of them is named Maud. I think you use Doreen because Doreen is like one of my favorite sous chefs I've ever had. And that just feels like a good, a good, um, a good confidant. For all your your uh, your tinned fish confessions. Anyways, never buy cockles. It's, they're they're the fucking worst. Don't touch them. Mussels, Patagonia. Get them with the saffron broth. Okay, 
little saffron, saffron, saffron. I don't even know how I say it anymore. Hit it with a little bit of that on your charcuterie plate with some crusty, really like well chili oiled bits of bread. Get out of here. Out of this world. That's what you want. Moving on. Moving on to, let's say, the fish egg of it all. Now, I, this is what I believe um, when it comes to the economics of fish eggs, okay? Listen, if you're, if you're trying to buy caviar for a party, you have to just, you just have to realize, like, it's going to be expensive. But I will say, if you want to buy something that is just gorgeous in presentation, and a little less expensive. And you can you can really get away with like one of those little three ounce jars. Like it's just a dab will do ya, right? Like on little hors d'oeuvres, a little like, you know, tartine situation. Smoked trout row. It's gonna be super bright red. It's going to be incredibly floral um and at the same time a little sea salty briny absolutely delicious and about $60 less than your average tin of caviar if you are in the business of buying caviar unfortunately your price tag is going to match your quality. And there's just no two bones about it. I have found in my limited uses of caviar, both professionally and, um, I don't know, what's it called? Privately? I feel like everything I do is professionally. <laughs> Anyways, however, however I get to caviar... Whenever I'm in that space of caviar, there's only really one rule. The more amount you spend, the better that shit is. I have never, ever, ever once had like a little bump of caviar that was like $200 more expensive than maybe like the last one and was like, oh, I don't see why that one is more expensive. The difference is 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 so palpable and then and that's just what it is right it's unfortunately it's one of those things in life where you spend more it's going to be better that's why it goes well with champagne same rule of thumb right most of the time if you spend more on your champagne it's just it's just going to be better that's just how it works for certain things but you know what I go with the smoked trout roe. It's delish. Delicious is what I was trying to say. Sorry, I got stopped in my tracks by something insane that Bagheera is doing, but I'm not going to pay attention to him. I have boundaries. That's right. This week I have boundaries with my cat. Um, <laughs> smoked trout roe. I feel like it's prettier than caviar. 
dare I say, it just is. Uh, it's better for your Instagram photos. And it has quite a bit of its own character. And I think you spend about 35 bucks per jar. Impress, impress people with a little bit of Trout Row. Have a blast. It's going to be a great time. Potato chips, creme fraiche, 40 chili oil, or whatever chili oil. A little bit of smoked trout roe. Fine herbs right on top. Outstanding. Maybe a little lemon gel. I don't know. I think I just want chips. Okay, guys. Those are my tinned fish wrecks. Now we're going to get to thing two. Now, when... When I started thinking about like, okay, three things I want to discuss every week. I was like, okay, well, maybe I can put a, a couple of categories in my head, right? Like first section right up top, we can talk about something I'm eating, something I've made, something I'm drinking, something, whatever. It's, it's, it's this week's tinned fish, right? I was like, and then in the middle, we'll do a hot take. And then... The third thing will be like a new story. And the way this week turned out, there's, there's, there is a new story for the third section, sure. But it is, it's going to get me like pretty hot. <laughs> so I'll try, I'll try to keep it short and sweet in, in section two. So we can, we can get to it. We can get to where we need to get to. Okay. And um, I'm going to expound a little bit more on this topic, which is also why I don't want to spend too much time on it, uh, in this month's newsletter that I'm working on. Because for, um, for, for professional reasons, I have to, I have to take a look at a lot of cookbooks and just sort of start, start making some, important opinions for a future product project I can't talk today I think it's I think it's that uh, in a way 5 a.m 5 a.m podcast beats a 5 p.m podcast that I think that's just how it works anyways um yeah so I had to research a lot of cookbooks I'm I'm just taking a look at a lot of them and one of the things I have realized, and I don't know if this is a, a, a popular opinion or something that holds true, but I find a lot of modern day cookbooks to be absolutely boring. And I'm not firing shots at anybody specific, but I'm going to tell you why I feel this way. We have all decided collectively as an industry that cooking is not fun. We have made that completely uh, the, the subtext of everything that we're doing. It's all about fast, easy, quick recipes. Recipes, no hurry. I mean, no, no you know, don't worry. It's going to only take 30 minutes or less. It's going to be like this. we got to get, get out of the way. Like cooking, ugh, I know it's vital, but like 
let's just get it done and move on. And I get it. People have busy lives. And and unlike myself, most people don't have to deal with food 24-7. So it, it isn't your life. I get it. However, it's like a it's like a pendulum that's swaying all the way to one direction. And it's just taken any fun out of cooking. Because the thing that's so special and magical, I feel like a lot of the cookbooks that I'm really like obsessed with is that it's not based in relatability. In fact, there are times, obviously, I will relate to it because I'm, I'm a human being having human experiences. So I can, I can relate to a book because that's written by a human being. However, there's something fun in not necessarily um, needing every recipe to be like realistically easy for me to make on a Tuesday night. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's like we, we are being told at all times that a recipe is not even worth going through unless it can be easy and quick enough for the audience to understand, which is bullshit, right? Because this, this to me is basically how the food industry has tried, has tried to basically garner uh, an audience is to constantly say, I think the people that buy food, which is literally every single person on this planet, is dumber than me, the people that produce the food. And that's how we sort of go about it. And listen, and you get a large group of people anywhere. The smartest opinion is never going to be the one that's standing out. It just isn't. We, we all know this. We all have industries and we're, you know, whatever industry you're in, you know, uh, that's, that's just the case. However, it doesn't mean, right, that like just because not everything is so accessible to everyone at all times that that is the the sort of emblem of what a book should be. At least I don't think so. I I love books, cookbooks that have a bit of aspirational to it. I feel like cookbooks should read a little bit like a fantasy novel is what I'm saying. I will get to where I need to get to because I want to feel inspired by a cookbook. I want to feel like, oh, there's some recipes in there that I can whip up today. And that's exciting. That's fun, right? But also, maybe there's a recipe in there that I'm like, oh, don't have time for that. In a couple weeks, though, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the shit out of that. I'm going to reinterpret it, see if I can get some different kind of corners of my brain going and make something completely out of my comfort zone and just take the time to see if I can, if I can like stick with this journey. It's changes. It just changes your day to sometimes do something that feels a little bit challenging, a little bit more about 
trusting your human instincts and, and just making a Sunday out of it. All I'm saying is cookbooks. I'm begging publish, publishing houses because I know like it's now all about how many, how many things we can sell. I get it. But please, let's not make this shit so boring. These are instructionals. I mean, like, there are new cookbooks being put out where they're explaining how to make bruschetta. No one needs to write about that ever again. Bruschetta's great. I'm just saying we don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) There could be other things. That happens in your new American cookbook. <laughs> just that. Let's, let's just trust our audience a little bit more. And write a book. Write a book that like reads like a fantasy novel. Make me feel like, I don't know, you're a special alien. I'm learning about you. All right. Thing three. Let's get to it. Let's take a quick little break before I got into section three here. Third thing, third thing is an article. And it's an article that I've seen over and over and over. That's also, I think, the the big meta irony of this article. It's just the latest of this take. Uh, okay, let's get into it. So this was... Uh, a Bon Appetit article by Sam Stone titled, I am begging restaurants to stop explaining that everything is shareable, which is so deeply grown. I am begging food writers to stage at any restaurant. Hell, stage at a Whataburger. I'm, I'm serious. I am begging food writers to work a shift. Just anywhere. Just, just anywhere. And here's, here's the thing. I get it, right? In, in the content economy, which is what a food writer is in, right? In, especially in these big publications, it's about just churning out content. It's about just getting things written. Typically, there's like a point of view, a hot take, a, a certain sort of, you know, clickability, shall we say. But this is just, it's just probably the most um, boring and privileged take as well as being unoriginal, right? There's just, I, I mean, if, if you are living and breathing, you know the jokes where people talk about how servers, uh, you know, come up to you and talk to you about like, oh, we do things a little differently here. We're, you know, uh, all of our plates are shareable. We recommend you know, three to four of this, then you want to move on to your mains or whatever. The reason why, number one, servers are doing that, by the way, it's not of their own volition, okay? 
Um, <laughs> there is, like in any other industry, a certain fair amount of jargon happening, okay? Uh, and number one. Number two, um, restaurants are constantly trying to essentially address the dumbest person in the room. Um, and and that is so they can avoid an irrational Yelp review that comes back to them at one star. And let me tell you, being in a position where you get a bad review, there is nothing worse for your day to turn when you are working your ass off and the worst part is most of a bad review has nothing to do with the quality of the place or the service. It will be from that person being like, I ordered the buffalo cauliflower wings and that was going to be my meal. And it wasn't enough. And it's because of those people they have to write or they have to say a spiel. We have to address the person in the room. And we don't know who that person in the room is who's going to leave a shitty review. And that's just mitigating that, number one. Number two, here's the thing. I find this take to be deeply, shall we say, Mayflower-coded. Because part of the argument is, why is everything shareable? Which I find to be, like, so insane, like... Going to dine with someone, it's an exciting thing because what it means is we're going to get things that we're both going to be able to try or the group is going to try. I have, I, I have never dined with somebody and I'm so thankful that I've never had to dine with someone who was like, oh, this is going to be my meal and this is going to be your meal. If it's like lunch, right, that's different. Like if you're on a business lunch and you're both getting salads, I don't need to try your salad. But if me and my friends are going out to dinner and one of my friends was like, what is going to be my entree? I would look at that person and be like, are you okay? What happened to you or in your childhood? Because... What's going on? Your entree is my entree. And I find that to be something, I love a small plate. I love shareable items. I love all of these moves that restaurants are making for two reasons. Most restaurants do not make money. It is one of the reasons why this industry is going through, still going through a pretty turbulent time. Bagheera, I'm upset too. Just like, listen to my rant. And then you can rant to me later. Um, but essentially, at the end of the day, it's because we don't want to pay for food. We don't want to pay for the thing that costs a lot of money to produce. And as much as we can try and explain that story right? And I'm someone without a restaurant, but uh, I, it's why I go the pop-up route. It's why I, I, I have a monthly supper club. It's, uh, anyways, that's, 
that's a different rant for a different day. At the end of the day, there is very little chance that a restaurant is going to be making a killing. Okay? It's it's very, very, very difficult to make a dollar. It's It's all overhead. And if you want to pay your labor a fair wage, if you want people, if you want to take care of your people in a restaurant, you want to keep the lights on, if you want to locally source and build yourself a sustainable micro-economy with your restaurant, guess what? All of that costs way more money than you think. I'm tired of food writers taking this stance that because they're going to have to spend a hundred bucks when they go out to dinner, that somehow this is some sort of scam. I need food writers to stop having these opinion fucking pieces where it's, it's scam coded. You know what I'm saying? It's not. I, I'm not sure. If y'all have been to the grocery store lately. But that bill is way higher than it was six months ago. And it's not going to stop. Everything is more expensive. So if you do the quick math, how much money it takes for you to buy food every week for yourself and cook it and put it on a plate. Now, when you go out, and you're saying to yourself, I can't believe I spent a hundred bucks on on my portion of things. To that, I say, that's what it costs. That's the price. That's what it is. And if you don't understand that, and you want to complain about it, and you want to talk, your next your next article is gonna be about making sure everyone has a fair wage, and I agree with that, then you need to think about your previous article. I, I, it's, it's not just this article. That's why I just don't want to focus on exactly everything within this article. I read it, and it was just the same boring spiel that you get time to time from people who have never worked in a restaurant, never had to wash a dish professionally, if you did, you wouldn't have this stupid-ass take. It's boring. It's dumb. It's, it's super Western, uh, fine dining, 1980s coded. And it's, it's really just doing a disservice. It's really just sort of, for no reason, giving people giving people ammunition to be condescending number one to servers, okay? Which sucks because when you have amazing front of house, it can change the temperature of a room. It can change your whole, it is your dining experience. And to find ways to condescend to to a profession that's all about intuition, reading the room, and and making sure you're pampered 
through your dining experience, that's, that's just a shitty take, man. That's all it is. It's shit. And it's not original. And food costs money. And yeah, everything is shareable. More small plates. Can't wait. Give me all the small plates restaurants. Make sure, make sure that everyone knows it's shareable. Because that restaurant, if they're trying to do the right thing at every step of the way, they better be charging you for that bill. That's how that goes. All right. Three things. We did it. Guys, thank you again. I got so many sweet messages last week. Uh, I was I was pretty apprehensive of just like making making this this new sort of um, pattern, but I'm really excited to see how it can be shaped. And I think like once in a while, one of those three things, like I said, will be a wine review. We'll make sure that it's like a, a couple throwbacks here and there within the new model. Um, if you want to, uh, you know, subscribe in a deeper level, and if you want to, you know, have access to all the recipes on the Substack, um, you know, you can, you can become a paid subscriber and that can happen in a variety of different ways. And whichever, whichever way is most economical for you, please, please consider it and please do so. And if you're like Deepa, I want to take a look at your recipes, but right now that is just, I'm making sure that I'm paying a hundred dollars every time I go out to eat. So I cannot afford your sub stack. Email me and, um, we can, we can totally work something out because I would love to make sure that most people have access to all of the content on the Substack, uh, I am working on that newsletter. It should be coming out in the next few days. I'm really excited about it. And if you want to see me cook, and also not just see me cook, but also eat the food, I've got four different dates in October. First coming up is uh, with the Training Kitchen. We love the Training Kitchen, an incredible nonprofit here in South Austin. We do four courses uh, this October. It's a mix of Caribbean and Indian flavors. We've got Trinidadian macaroni pie. We've got some jerk quail. Uh, we've got a carrot fat biryani that I'm like kind of sort of obsessed with. Um, a carrot flan. It should be a good time. Uh, those dates are going to be the 19th, the 20th, and the 21st. And yeah, you can... You can, you know, reserve your seat on the link below. And then October 29th is my collaboration with Vera Cruz. Um, me and Chef Reina came up with a really just, I, I cannot believe this menu. I love it so much. Um, it is an all pork menu, four courses, two secret courses in the, in the tuck. And then we've got also cocktail and wine pairings for the night. Um, we're naming this dinner El Ritual and it's about our ancestors. And it's also about just getting all 
all the good energy you can get this fall, this winter. So come join us on the 29th. Um, that is also on the link below. And that's that's all I got for now, y'all. And I will talk to you guys next Friday. Goodbye. <laughs>